0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Greenfluence, the podcast that brings you the latest in sustainability, responsible investing, and climate change. I'm Sophia, your assistant content and podcast editor, and I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this week's episode. This week, we have a very special episode featuring three of our past podcast guests in the live-streamed podcast showcase we had three weeks ago. We have Ashley from Monte Compost Co., Olivia from Climate Salad, whose episode will come out next, and Dean from For Purpose Investment Partners. So buckle up, you will not want to miss this.
1: Before I begin, I wanted to make an acknowledgement of country. Um, I acknowledge that I'm hosting and recording this webinar from the lands. Of the Wurundjeri people. Uh, I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that everyone is from and I would like to pay my respects to Indigenous people um, past, present and emerging. Awesome. Just one of the guests, Olivia, Ash, Dean, to give you, to I guess give a quick intro about yourselves um, and how you got into the space you're at and I guess a day in the life of your role for our audience. Whoever wants to start first.
2: I guess I'll jump in then. Um, Hi everyone, my name is Olivia and I'm coming to you from Gadigal Land in Sydney. I am a program manager at Climate Salad, um, which as Viz mentioned, um, it's the largest and leading climate tech community in Australia. But I came from a little bit of a strange direction. I actually did a Bachelor of Music Performance at the Sydney Con. Um, I play the trumpet and I did my honours in music psychology. My final year of uni was actually the first year of COVID, which as you can imagine trying to like play in the arts during COVID was, was just impossible. Um, and so I realised that I didn't, I wasn't feeling fulfilled in, in the arts and after teaching for a year or two and performing where I could. I realized that I wanted to step into the sustainability space, which I've always been super passionate about, um, but I wanted to to step in more formally um, as my career. So I looked around a lot. I was really unsure what angle I wanted to uh, launch in from because there are so many ways to get involved in sustainability. Um, And then I was introduced to Mick. I came to the Climate Salad December showcase last year and they basically haven't been able to get rid of me since. And that is a very short intro on me.
1: Awesome. Ash Dean, do you guys want to go next?
2: Next. Um,
3: yeah, so as Viz said, I'm the founder of Monte Compost Co. Um, so yeah, we have an app, but we also have an IoT monitoring device for any kind of scale or location of composting or really any kind of organic waste management operation. Um, I, my background is actually in business management and IT. That's what I studied at uni. Um, But I've been into sustainability since I was like 10 years old. I like joined my first club in school at that age. So I've been in this whole shtick for like literally more than half my life. Um, But I only really found out about compost in my last year of uni. Uh, But I just realized how amazing it was, how much potential there is in recycling our organic waste back into our soil as a carbon sink, as a form of natural fertilizer. Um, and that's kind of how I came up with Monty. I've, so I've been working on it for like, far out, like four years. Christ. <laughs> um, uh, and a day in my life is usually like, oh, there's just so many emails to answer and I'll just have meetings with my team. And right now what we're working on is actually uh, our, one of our first production batches. So if any of you compost and you want to have something to monitor your compost, hit me up. I'll give a discount to anyone who messages me on here. And yeah, that's me.
1: And fun fact, everyone, Ash has also been involved in a TED talk.
3: Uh, It's a TEDx (laughs) talk. It's not a real TEDx. It's not a real TED talk. It's one of those, one of those other ones. Um, But it was like the worst experience ever, not in a bad way, but in like, it was so stressful, like, it was so stressful. I don't. would never do one again. But yeah,
1: that's that's me. Awesome.
4: Pass it on to Dean. Hey, team. Um, thanks so much for the invitation as well to to speak at this event, and thanks for everyone who's taking the time out of the evening to to stream in. I'll jump on the Zoom link um, to give you a bit of background. Uh, similar to uh, many students, and similar to um, particularly my, I studied at um, Macquarie University and did a Bachelor of Applied Finance double with Economics and. Um, Upon reflection, that doesn't really have too much to do with sustainability and impact and things like that. But what was quite funny was when I was doing this mentoring program at Macquarie, I was really involved in a lot of volunteer type causes and impact type causes and that's what I was passionate about. And those were the sorts of people I liked hanging around um, when it came to student societies or community causes and so on. And um, anyway, when I had that on my resume and went into this mentoring thing with a, a finance or accounting professor. She said my my resume was too, I think it was something along the lines of left left wing or left leaning or progressive to, to get a job in industry. Um, which was quite funny, and and for a while I did work in the private sector, not directly in the um, impact space, so first at Macquarie Group and then um, at PwC. But from there, as much as I particularly loved what I did at PwC in corporate finance advisory uh, and in deals, I wanted to use my skill set, not only for, for profit but for purpose, and I suspect that's a common theme with everyone attending here today. Um, So this opportunity uh, at New South Wales Treasury popped up specifically um, in a small niche area um, small niche team um, called the Office of Social Impact Investment. And with the Office of Social Impact Investment, um, they're really at the forefront of leading innovation in the impact investment space, but also um, sustainability um, in New South Wales. And that's done on two fronts. So that's done through, Um, their sustainability bonds program, which was one half of what I used to do in that team. Um, And with that, that's all about um, raising proceeds uh, as any government does in terms of issuing government bonds, but instead of just issuing standard government bonds, we raise either green social or sustainability bonds. And those bonds that we raise, so let's say it's, I think it's around $7 billion now, those are earmarked specifically only for sustainability related assets um, and examples of those would be ones that you're familiar with day to day like the Sydney Metro. So that's a low carbon transport option. Um, it might be things like a social one might be sticking on the transport theme, a social one might be, um, you know, the transport access program also known as TAP. And that's about improving disability access to, to train stations. Um, so that's a, a social example. Um, anyway, these the money is used on those sorts of programs. And that money is then um, not only, you know, allocated, but also like the impact is measured um, from that. So then you sort of actually can measure, you know, what's the, you know, impact of actually the money that's been raised and you can sort of prove the impact and additionality that that capital's had within society. And that's a really key part of, um, you know, impact investing and, you um, social impact is like the ability to measure those things so that was one part and another part was um, the social impact bonds so it's coming up with um, innovative policies using outcomes based uh, contracts which sort of transfer the risk of financing um, or reducing the risk of financing um, traditional government policies but also then coming up with a new funding framework to incentivise innovation in areas of policy where Um, change has been hard to come by, and a really good example of that is um, looking at like the Resilient Families Social Benefit Bond and the Nupian Social um, Benefit Bond, which both of them aim to reduce um, the amount of uh, children living in out-of-home care. Um, And the more children that could be um, not placed into, or more children who could be restored um, back to their families, away from out of home care, they actually um, the people that would finance that would actually receive a greater rate of return, um, and the government would win in that sense too because they would save you know the costs of you know, children in out of home care, and it is a really expensive thing to do. Like the amount of full time care staff and you know, clinical psychologists and things like that going to it. it's actually one of the most costly sort of care exercises that exists for government. But I think. In that role at Treasury, the one thing that was missing for me is that I had this really great financial tool kit, kit, an investment tool kit and investment toolkit. I didn't really get to use it in my role uh, or not as much. Um, the role at Aussie uh, was more around um, policy uh, and I came from a pretty much a true investment background. So the opportunity to join For Purpose Investment Partners arose and um, what For Purpose Investment Partners is, it's a not-for-profit fund manager which pretty much is a private equity fund but for purpose that invests in five different areas on the social side of impact so mental health um, education aged care disability care and social affordable housing and these are all sorts of areas that really face some some significant uh, structural challenges in australia and i feel like the jobs and skills summit recently highlighted a lot in all those sectors and the reason why we focus on those sectors is because you know we want to attract capital to help solve for those um and, and prove that you know you don't need to just achieve economic returns but also you can achieve social returns uh via investments made and in good start early education is really great case study for that in australians pretty much the the benchmark for what we aim to do and why we, we've come together as, a, as an impact investment fund um yeah and in terms of day-to-day uh a really good example of today, there, there is, um the typical office tasks like doing financial modelling on excel or preparing slide packs for um, investor presentations but today you know we had a meeting internally with the team um including our executive directors which is always insightful and uh, have an exchange of ideas across you know the opportunities that exist across our five areas and also meeting with the industry so we um you know spoke to you know these advisory partners about an opportunity with aged care and to help inform our aged care strategy we have a, a bloke called Toby Hall helping us who used to be the CEO of um, St Vincent's Health and also Mission Australia so sort of getting to work with industry leaders to help inform um, investment decisions about how we can you know, really um, you know, take on the aged care industry which is pretty much I, I would argue the maybe the most challenged industry and where the worst social outcomes exist right now for, for Australians. And, you know, the Royal commission into that sector recently showed
1: that. Awesome. Very good and comprehensive answer, Dean. I think you brought up some really interesting points about like purpose and profit. And I think we talked a bit about misconceptions in our podcast with you about the space. And I wanted to open that up to the floor. So Olivia, Ash, Dean, wanted to know like, what are the biggest misconceptions in your area of sustainability Um, and, and just like in a nutshell, like, I guess quickly summarize that for our audience.
3: So I think one of the biggest misconceptions in my industry, which I'll call waste, um, is that like a lot of people, a lot of what they think about is just plastic waste. When realistically organic waste, which is what we're tackling with compost and any other kinds of organic waste recycling channels is the most impactful, especially when you consider how it also translates to, you know, the subsequent product, which is, you know, fertiliser, soil, all that agricultural restoration. Um, So I think when people are, I suppose, and a lot of time, people who aren't specialists necessarily in sustainability are looking at different areas. It's very important to not get kind of caught up in like the buzzwords and what seems to be maybe the biggest problem but actually might not be.
2: I totally agree with both Dean and Ash. Um, the the profit versus purpose um, concept really resonates with Climate Salad. Um, climate Salad is essentially a community of climate tech founders and their companies, and so we exist to really boost them with um, workshops, tools, investor um, support, and um, community support. Um, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions with climate tech in general and sustainability is that it's philanthropy. And, you know, you can donate some money to a, a charity and they'll plant some trees and things like that. But really, the world is beginning to understand that you can have a full planet approach while still making a good profit. Um, and, you know, those returns through impact investing and through. Um, you know, starting a, a business like Monty can be really fantastic. Um, and I think that's a huge opportunity, um, especially as as the world comes to really see the need for those um, tools and those mitigation and adaptation techniques. So I think, yeah, I think it's it's incredibly important that we support not just the the buzzwords and perhaps you know the greenwashing that some companies can put out into the world. Like I saw a fast fashion brand that appointed one of the Kardashians even as a as a sustainability ambassador, and it was just like, what the heck is happening there? It's like crazy. Um, it's unbelievable, really. But I think people are really waking up to that concept, um, and it's just going to grow and grow. So I'm I'm quite optimistic about the future and the development of climate tech and that realisation that you can have good profit while still putting the planet first.
1: Awesome. Any words from
4: you? Yeah, I, I won't add too much on it because I, I think it sort of led in from what I was previously saying. Um, plus we, we discussed it quite a lot on, on the podcast back in season one, right? Um, but yeah, I think it goes to the point that I was um, talking about before, like you want to be able to measure the actual impact that you have and a question that i get asked quite a lot and this might be useful from an education perspective by people about what i do is that they're like oh how, how do you what is it like what is it that you do as an impact investor that's different from like an esg fund and my answer to that be would be for example an esg fund they might invest only in listed equities and it's likely that's probably what they do do because that's the easiest thing to do because they're liquid assets um however an esg fund might simply like the only thing that they might do is just avoid harm and because listed equities are sort of secondary capital there's no additionality attached to the impact that the capital that's been allocated is having so for example you know if Um, a listed equity is secondary capital. It's the same as like, let's say there's a tree that's already been planted. I could sell you that tree, but you couldn't claim to have the impact because that tree already existed and I was like reducing CO2 in the atmosphere, for example. However, myself as an impact investor, I'm looking to raise new capital to, you know, benefit stakeholders and contribute to solutions. So I'm looking to raise new money and use that money to plant new trees. So that's the additional impact. So both are investment decisions, but one has additional impact, one doesn't. Um, So that's what I'd be conscious of when it comes to say, making investment decisions, um, you know, in this space and sector and how to avoid, as Olivia was saying, things like greenwashing and all the types of washing that exists in terms of marketing and branding.
1: Yeah, awesome. Um, I think like really interesting that a common point that all you guys made was like that whole profit and purpose and avoidance of greenwashing. Definitely something quite prominent in areas that we want to continue to explore GreenFluence. Um, Just quickly, um, just before we continue, um, there is going to be like a challenge question at the end. So just keep a, just, I guess, I I guess just keep a listen out for what the other guests are saying. Um, But Another question I did want to ask, and I know a few of you guys already mentioned this, was what are the biggest like up and coming projects that your organizations are doing? Um, If you can keep your answer to around one minute, that'll be great.
2: It's so hard because Climate Salad is absolutely bursting with activity at the moment. Um, We are run off our feet, but in a very good way. We are taking a cohort of our member companies to the US in October on a trade mission. Um, we're meeting with lots of funky corporates. Um, we've got sessions with Austrade and I think Molly who's on the call is coming with us. So that's, that's very exciting. Um, and we're also going to verge, which is, um, the world's biggest climate tech conference. Apart from that, we are also, um, running an end of year climate tech festival, which is happening in December in Sydney. And I'd encourage you all to, if you're interested in climate and climate tech and jobs in climate tech in particular, um, I'd highly encourage you to come along to that event. We do have discounts for students um, and that'll be fantastic and that's in December.
3: That was awesome, that's really exciting. Also, I think my internet's a lot better now. (laughs) So something that's coming up for us, which is really exciting that I just touched on is that we're currently producing um, a full batch of 1,000 monitors locally here in Queensland, which is really exciting. we're distributing them domestically, um, just in Australia, just online. So you're more than welcome to get one. But um, I suppose in the more medium term future, we've also kind of started to set up our relationship with a distribution partner for the US, which is also exciting. So yeah, we've just got lots coming up. It's really cool to have gotten over the massive hill that is hardware development and actually have a product we can we can sell. So yeah, I'd say that's what's going on
4: for us here at Monty. I'm terrible at one minute responses as you've probably all come to learn um, within the first half hour of this preso, but uh, I'd say two things. One, um, there's so much opportunity in terms of our five uh, sectors of focus, like there's so much opportunity in aged care right now and no one's really um, brave or courageous enough to touch it. Um, So like I've said, you've not only had the Aged Care Royal Commission Cause a shake up in the industry, but you've also had COVID, which um, continues to impact that part of the sector as well. They are the most vulnerable population um, within residential aged care facilities to um, the health implications of COVID. So that's been a challenge. And then on top of that, um, the first bill that the new Labor government federally passed related to aged care. Um, so there was a lot of uh, legislative reform in the space. So where, where there's change, there's opportunity. Um, so that's something um, to watch in our space and sector in terms of what we do. But near term as well, we're actually working on a really exciting um, dis, uh, sort of deal, trying to get it over line in terms of um, acquiring an NDIS meal planning and preparation company. Um, so think about like your, you know, My Muscle Chefs and things like that, specifically for the NDIS. So. Um, and that helps solve for a couple of things. One, um, you know, a, lot, a lot of people who you know, have disabilities may not have the ability to prepare food for themselves. So it ensures that they receive the nutrition that they, they need, but also because it's really tailored to the NDIS, the delivery isn't just gonna be dropped off at the door. We're gonna have couriers who are really um, mindful of how do we you know, ensure that these frozen meals say, end up in the freezer of the clients that we serve um and catered to their individual needs and disability is such a wide spectrum of um needs uh so that and the people that are involved in that company are really exciting too but can't give too much away just yet but those aged care and disability services are probably the two um areas and sectors really exciting for us um in the near term and projects that we're working on
1: that's so exciting really looking forward to, to i guess all of those actually coming to life Switching gears a bit, so of course you all have been involved in the Greenfluence podcast. What were your reflections about the experience? Because I think for us, it's like we want to get really awesome people like yourselves, and we're hoping you guys will come on. But really want to hear what your experience has been like. Because I think I think I speak on behalf of the team. It's been such an awesome experience to hear your thoughts.
3: One thing that is probably common with anyone who, talk, who talks into like a podcast or any kind of presentation is when you're talking to someone and answering these questions, like having to reflect on things you maybe haven't thought about for like literally months. So Liv and um, Dean, I'm sure you feel kind of the same. Like when someone asks you a question, you're like, wow, last time I was doing that thing, I was a totally different person and I would do it a totally different way now. Um, So I thought that was really cool. I really enjoyed the questions you guys asked and kind of reflecting on that.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. It's like a little snapshot in time of, of where the company's at and uh, Climate Salad in itself is a bit, it, it essentially is a startup for startups. And so we're still uh, figuring things out and, um, you know, creating our own path, which like a lot of events we just haven't done before. So um, personally, I haven't heard our podcast yet. It hasn't been released. So I'm very, very excited to, to hear it and to share it with friends and family. Um, and so really loved being part of it um, and can't wait to hear it when it's out.
4: Yeah, I think one thing that surprised me was how, how deep we could go in conversations. So I think when myself, Vis and Maya talked, we, we went for almost two hours and I think we split it across two episodes as well. So yeah, I think it's a testament to how passionate both yourself, Vis and Maya are about the space and sector and yeah, the fact that you share that with your audience is awesome too.
1: Awesome. No, that's um really exciting to hear. I think like initially, you know, and a few people know this, but this was very much like a passion project for myself and Maya. And I think over time, thanks to support of you guys and also like our awesome team of volunteers, I think it's we realized that it's become more than that. And um yeah, like like obviously so grateful to your support and sharing your insights and giving up your time. Um and yeah, and and, and like a bit of a um spoiler or sneak peek for audience, we are having a bit of a celebration later on because it's almost been one year. Um, so something else to, I guess, look forward to, um, the, the other exciting thing, I guess, uh, from our point of view is like our community and something that we want to focus on. Uh, Um, we, we, recently have an awesome head of community. Her name's Lily. Um, she's also on the call today, but, um, I guess from your point of view to all our guests, like what are ways that the GreenFluence community can actually support your projects and get more involved in your organizations?
4: I'll jump in because mine's probably the hardest to achieve. <laughs> um, an easy way to do it is uh, you can follow for-purpose investment partners on LinkedIn and stay in touch with what we do. Um, keep an eye on the space and sector and hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully there's a few interesting reads. There are on our website. There's a few good case studies about how you know, impact investing can, can work in a yeah, in almost like a private equity type context which is which is unique and the way that works in this space is so different to how you know, impact investing would, would have worked when I was at the Office of Social Impact Investment at Treasury. It's a completely different ball game and different funding models and things like that but all the different ways to solve similar problems which is interesting. Um, and then, yeah, if you're really interested in this space and curious about full purpose investment partners and yeah, if you're wealthy if you've got wealthy friends or family um, you can always invest with us as well um, we're actually in the process of doing a, a second raise so some of the powerpoint decks i'm um, um, updating today about raising you know new capital because we've got such a pipeline of opportunities but we don't have the money to, to take them on just yet or not all of them at least so um yeah if, if you've got you know, someone who who's got you know, deep pockets, but also a deep heart. Maybe maybe this is a the investment for them. But yeah, do your own research too. This was not financial advice.
2: <laughs> I do have a deep heart, but I do not have deep pockets. But Dean, out of curiosity, what's the kind of the capital that you you'd see coming through?
4: Yeah, great question. So we've um, we raised our first fund end of last year for sixty seven million dollars. Um, we're looking to raise again, and, and the reason being is that if we look at some aged care opportunities, for example, if we buy a couple of yeah residential aged care facilities, they're in the tens of millions of dollars per, like per portfolio of assets. So, you know, we don't wanna be just an aged care provider too. So we've got two problems. One, we don't have potentially enough money just for all the aged care opportunities that exist, but two, because we're taking a portfolio approach or a fund approach, we don't want all our eggs in one basket. Um, as a common saying goes so yeah if we can have a bigger fund then yeah we can allocate more towards aged care opportunities but then we can also have you know some left over for opportunities in disability services or um social affordable housing so on and so forth so i feel your frustration on the deep pockets too olivia don't worry (laughs) or lack
0: of
2: why wasn't i born a millionaire oh it's terrible isn't it um in terms of getting involved with climate salad um if Again, if anyone's interested in, in a career in climate tech, I um, would highly encourage you to join as a member. Um, there are so many jobs going in climate tech at the moment, and that's across a broad range of um, like sectors. You can be very technical if you're um, a software developer or a product developer or a scientist, or you can go into marketing and general brand awareness, which is a huge kind of... Um, hiring blitz as well at the moment uh, come along to our interview showcase and just get as involved as possible we have a great little community and um we really do encourage everyone to get out what they put in
3: i again i don't have deep pockets but i did follow you guys on linkedin So <laughs> got that one day love your work thank um, you i would say kind of I would no 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 I totally get everyone else follow Monty Compost Co as well on all of our platforms um but no I totally get that I think for us it's just getting the word out making people more aware of us I think kind of calling back to what I said at the beginning is you know there are a lot of misconceptions about composting I'll be the first to say it people still think it's just like a massive joke the number of meetings i get laughed at it's so frustrating um so really just having the again kind of preaching the gospel of compost kind of reach like reshaping what it is in your mind and anyone else that you may come across as mind um and if you know anyone who composts, then definitely get a monte for them or hit me up for a 20 discount. that's that's it me always
1: <laughs> <it's> just selling <laughs> awesome well it looks like everyone has a bit of homework to do get on board and, and follow those organizations and we can also provide links um yeah no that's that's really good and of course like we're here to help support you guys in your journey and um yeah looking forward to exciting collaborations um yes yeah, so I did mention uh guys that would be like kind of like a challenge question things like that um and, and another question that um was not in the original that wasn't in the original section. So I'm going to ask, like, it's, my, it's a bit of a curly one. Given your different backgrounds and experiences in the field, what is one question or one thought or one piece of advice that you would give for each other? Might need some time to have a think. I don't know. That's
3: a really tough one. Um, honestly, I think that to um, live and Dean, because I feel like you guys are very much in the space where you're seeing a lot of like you're seeing a really broad range of opportunities and solutions and things like that. Whereas I guess you know from where I am it's in more kind of like a narrow area. I guess I'll probably only give um some advice to that particular area. But around you know organics, whether it's agriculture, whether it's waste, um, whether it's food, I think really worth and this is to everyone as well it's really worth just broadening I guess your holistic knowledge of the industry um I think we hear a lot of solutions in the organic space um, that are quite narrow and people forget about um you know they'll see like those like farm bots or something and think okay problem solved and it's like you know the world is very big and we grow food and we manage waste and we you know compost so many different ways so that in this particular area there's not going to be one silver bullet solution and you know definitely always be open to listening to these new things even if it is something that seems as basic or as boring as compost or you know manure management it's all kind of like there's a lot of really interesting stuff in the organic space that's worth looking
2: so, yeah, that's what I would say. I totally agree with you, Ash. I think I—I'm not sure if this is correct, but I think I had a stat um, where if food waste were an emitter, it would be the third biggest emitter behind China and the U.S., which just boggles my mind.
3: Like, if we were able to recycle 100% of our organic back into our soil, we could cut global emissions by 23%. Like, it's insane how much potential there is in the organic space that is kind of just going under the radar. So, yeah, sorry. I'll stop talking now, though.
2: No, it's a hugely important space and it's so simple and it's something that kind of anyone can do. And it's such high impact um, compared to, um, you know, other, other other areas that we kind of think as more sexy. Um, so totally, totally see. Um, I think my advice would be for Dean, come and join the climate tech space. Can, can we make another like, portfolio for you, with, which is climate and sustainability? Um, that would be fabulous. Um, no, all jokes aside, um, I think really making sure that, you know, amidst the, the climate kind of pessimism and knowing that we're, you know, we've, we're, we've just um, heard the news that we're going into our third La Nina in a row, which has only happened two or three other times in Australian history. Um, I think taking that pessimism and turning it into hope through action, in particular, um, is so important, and it's something that both both of you and probably everyone on this call is is passionate about. Um, whenever I get a bit down about the world and its current state, I try and do something that um, is meaningful to me, but also meaningful, more meaningful to the to the broader world, um, and that makes me feel a little bit less powerless.
4: I think um, – thank you for that, Olivia, (laughs) as well, for the um, invitation. Um, Maybe for Ash, I think there's so many great initiatives that exist right now on two fronts, and you'll be at the forefront of this too, Olivia, around um, promoting opportunities um, that help to solve for climate-related issues, um, which you're doing um, with Wanty Compost Co., um, and yeah even in sectors there's a lot of like um people are really keen to get behind action and issues and opportunities in this space so definitely put yourself out there and this is a great platform for doing so and then secondly um like even on like in new south wales on the women's front like you know you it sounds like you're a woman founder you know of monte compost co and there's so many great initiatives you know that look to like government are now getting involved and this is speaking more so from my previous role with Aussie, there's so many really great government initiatives that are looking to promote female entrepreneurs, um, venture capital allocated towards women and so on. Um, that, yeah, it sounds like you're, you would tick off those boxes. And back when I was at Treasury, the two key, um, themes that Matt Keane was trying to solve for was, um, women's economic opportunity one. And then to uh, sustainability. and you're like you, know, you intersect with both of them. So you know, I, I don't know if you're New South Wales based but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah there's, there, I, I think nationwide there's um, really great appetite for, for what you're doing. There's probably a lot of opportunities that you might not even be aware of, but worth seeking out if, if you have the capacity to,
1: to support what you do. Thank
3: you. that's more career advice.
1: Awesome. No, hope everyone found that insightful and I'm glad you guys paid a lot of attention. That was, yeah, that was very insightful. Um, I think approaching it from different lenses, um, from community, from impact, and also from a startup point of view, raising capital, I think it was really good. Um, just wanted to open it now to the audience. Does anyone have any burning questions that they'd like to ask? Um, feel free to pop it in the chat or feel free to unmute yourself.
5: Yes, I might jump in. Yeah. So, yeah, a question for the panel. I guess what was your turning point or moment when you realised that you wanted to focus on sustainability and the space? Maybe we'll start with Ash.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, I think, like I said, I've always been, you know, so passionate about sustainability. Like I remember when I was like in grade five, They showed us an inconvenient truth and I literally remember having nightmares about that polar bear that was drowning. Um, So I've always been into sustainability. It's always been something that I've really thought about a lot. Um, But I don't think, and this is something that is really actually quite nice compared to, you know, even 5, 10, 20 years ago, is I never, like, until I was about 22, ever saw it to be even a remote career possibility um you know I like I said I was volunteering I did activism um lots of research interest in the area but even yeah 10 years ago it was like if you want to do a career in environment you're a joke like you're not going to be able to do anything it's like compost is still a bit of a joke (laughs) but it's like looking around and seeing the amount of legitimacy and acceptance now in this space has been really inspiring. And I think in my final year of university, which was 2018, also getting involved in the startup space. Because I guess at that point I was a bit disillusioned with the um, volunteer space. What I was doing, um, I wasn't seeing the efficacy that I was seeing in my other uh, jobs. And so I guess when I found out about like kind of the startup industry, I was like, well, you know, why can't we take the impact of, you know, pursuing some kind of sustainability um venture with the you know efficiency, the effectiveness of a, like a business. So yeah, that was kind of the turning point for me. I just I was getting to the end of my university career and I was like, I have to decide what I want to do. Am I going to just go down a route of something that I don't care about? Or am I going to do this thing that like might like I wanted or needed to do even since I was like a kid. Um, Yeah, and I think I made the right choice.
5: That's so excellent Um, and actually very inspiring that you did go out and take that jump and went and you're creating a massive impact. So, yeah, really inspiring to everyone. Dean, what about
4: you? Yeah, I don't know if that was like a 180 degree turning point. It was more so, and maybe similar to Ash as well, um, always knowing that... I wanted to be in this space and sector, but it's more so, you know, how can I take each and every step closer and closer towards, you know, aligning, like I was talking about before, profit with purpose. And, you know, for me, you know, in the long run, I always wanted to sort of, you know, I'm passionate about people, I'm fascinated by finance, and I wanted to do something that's, you know, has like purpose. But straight out of university, I, I didn't know how to go from A to Z. You sort of have to go through all the alphabet first, right? So for me, it's sort of like, okay, like let's get this university degree. So we've got the, you know, the theoretical understanding. Let's enter the workforce and get some practical understanding. Let's volunteer on the side in courses that are close to, you know, close to my heart to get the, the grassroots understanding. And then sort of when you you know, tick off all those boxes, you know, opportunities in this space and sector started to pop up. And now it's a growing sector, but with not so many experienced professionals who've got, you know, years under their belt because of the relative infancy of the sector. Um, because I've just got a little bit more runs on the board than most, like, so many more opportunities pop up, especially like specifically for me in this space. So. Yeah, it's been sort of like a step by step, and as long as I guess you know where your what your values are, um, you sort of just follow follow the path um, towards whatever your aim and aspiration is. And I, I feel like that was the case for me. I didn't know that, you know, Aussie or the Four Purpose Investment Partners was the end place that I wanted to be at, but I knew with each you know step that I took in terms of you know my studies, my work or, you know, what I do volunteer-wise, that was sort of getting me closer and closer to, you know, being in the space and sector that I'm in now. Not sure if that answered your question as succinctly as I aspired to, but it's probably as best as I could.
5: Yeah, that was great. Um, It's really interesting to see the different perspective of taking it incrementally and, like, each step, like taking one step forward doesn't have to be a massive step sometimes is will eventually lead you closer to your goals um and finally olivia
2: yeah i agree with ash and dean like i always had this knowledge that i i knew that sustainability was important to me i cared about nature and the climate and um i'm weirdly in love with antarctica like i love Antarctica and I remember like hearing about the ice sheets where the emperor penguins like live Um, They're all melting and I just was devastated at um, this concept that human activity is like completely fundamentally changing our global earth systems Um, And I knew that you know sitting in a symphony orchestra I wasn't doing everything that I could be um, and COVID really was the turning point. I was sitting at home in lockdown. The arts industry was just decimated. I was like teaching over Zoom which I wasn't passionate about as well. I was more passionate about sustainability and the climate. But I had this piece of paper that said I had a music degree. So I was like kind of I wasn't really sure whether I'd be able to break into the industry to be honest because you know, what? who's going to hire this this girl with a I'm using degree, um, so I'm really lucky that I um, kind of just by chance found my way into the startup world because it's got the perfect kind of mix of flexibility and the knowledge that, you know, it's not really about the, I mean, to a degree it is about your qualifications and your knowledge, but you learn so much on the job at any job, um, and I feel like it's the soft skills that you get at uni that are really, really important. Um, And also startups have this wonderful um, optimism and ability to really pivot where they are needed to go and also to create the biggest impact. Like we we work with government um, and the the wheels of government move very slowly. And so it's refreshing to be in a startup culture where um, it's so energetic and it is so purposeful. Uh, And I'm really energized by that every day
5: yeah well nailed it um thank you all for your answers back over to you this
1: awesome no thanks for your responses guys and I think it's so interesting to see from your responses how the how the space sustainability space has shifted over time from something that wasn't really common to like something that people with different skill sets can really use and um I think it's really interesting that I don't think any of you guys had like a plan from a young age you want to do this you just sort of use your skills, use your passion to get into the space. And I think that's really awesome and something our audience can also keep in mind. I really want to thank all our guests, Olivia, Ash, and Dean for giving your amazing insights and spending your time in the middle of the week when I'm sure you've got 101 things to do on a Tuesday night. So really appreciate your time. Um, Really want to thank the audience, everyone who showed up um, and showing their support really means a lot to us, given that we want to start having more events and um, we always welcome your feedback, you know, on ways we can improve and, Various events and initiatives that we have, um, and then lastly, I want to thank um, the awesome Greenfluence team. Um, so a few of them aren't here. Um, Shri, we couldn't make it today, but she's been doing awesome work on our podcast. Uh, Sophia, she was here, but then she had to leave, um, and also Tanisha, who who actually designed the amazing covers and marketing that you guys all see, and of course, all the members of the team. Um, It was pretty tough because we had a very short deadline to organize this, but really happy we did. And um, yeah, I hope everyone enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So thanks everyone for attending. Um, feel free to, feel free to message myself, Maya, or other members of the team if you have more information and thanks everyone.
4: Hope to see you all in person soon.
0: What did you think? This was such a fun showcase to have, and we were so lucky to have a few of our amazing guests on to inspire us with their backgrounds and their thoughts on a more sustainable world. If you were part of the live experience, thank you so much for joining us. And be sure to look out for more events, both virtual and in person, in the near future. If you're new to GreenFluence, thanks for joining us. And hopefully you feel inspired to listen to our previous and future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you for listening in again. We really appreciate it and are so excited to grow our GreenFluence community. If you'd like to get in touch and become a GreenFluencer, check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. All the links to our socials are in the show notes. We'd appreciate if you leave us a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming platform. And we'll see you next time!